Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. <laughs> Fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. I know we've probably talked about vampires like to death, (laughs) but honestly, I will never be sick of talking about them. (laughs) So we will continue to talk about vampires for this check-in slash warm-up slash intro conversation. What I really want to know is if we would take the opportunity to be turned into a vampire if it arose. Ooh, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't really have anything else going on. <laughs> if, like, I'm gonna be honest. I might as well like try. And it's always like I've said, because I thought about like, what are the rules? I would say the rules are probably pretty close to supernatural rules is what I'm going to assume for this. since This is a supernatural podcast. Yeah. Because I'm like, worst case scenario, you end up like a Buffy vampire where you don't have a soul. But I'm like, if a demon wants to take over, like, good luck. I'm sure they'll do better. Um, (laughs) If... And if I just turn into, like, a weird bloodthirsty monster, which isn't necessarily the case, because, like, we had Lenore in previous episodes, Mm. you know, if I get immortality, I'm just going to abuse the fuck out of life, (laughs) see what we can get out of it, until the boys come along and, like, I don't know, rip my head off or something. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Allie? Absolutely fucking not. Oh. Not a chance in hell would I ever do that. I am too much of an anxious person. Oh my gosh. The idea of losing my soul. I already have like weekly panic attacks about the idea of death. Yeah. So the idea of living forever, I could not cope with that. Mm. Mm. So Mm. in a very dark space, no, I would absolutely not, but I'll be best friends with Jordan Vampire. Hell yeah. But But not with Jasper Vampire. (laughs) I don't know what you'll choose. (laughs) I didn't want to assign you that lifestyle. Oh, okay. Thank you for being considerate of my consent. (laughs) What I'm just surprised of is that if vampires have like mind controlling powers, you wouldn't want that. At what cost, Jordan? (laughs) At what cost? Yeah, like, I love the powers, but I am such a fucking anxious person that I couldn't handle it. I would be the worst vampire. I would be so, like, sullen and angry and anxious and weeping in a corner. I think you have more, like, vampire's girlfriend vibes than being the vampire. You're the Bella. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's <laughs> oh, true, God. though. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I can see it. What about you, Jasper? Could I be best friends with you, vampire, as well? Yes, absolutely. Because I would, I would become a vampire. The main reason is this. 
there's not enough time to do everything. Mm-hmm. I am constantly you're if if you're having weekly panic attacks about the idea of death, I'm having weekly panic attacks about not having enough time to read everything that I want to read <laughs> and know everything that I want to know and talk to all the people I want to talk to. Like there's yeah. just so much to experience and and to know about and to learn mm-hmm. about. Like, it's just not enough time. It pisses me off. I don't know if I'd have enough impulse control to be like a quote unquote vegetarian vampire or whatever. <laughs> like, I have really bad impulse control. Honestly, like my moon is in Aries. Okay. Like if I want it, I need it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd probably be like a crazy murder vampire, honestly, but I'd also be really knowledgeable. I'd know a lot of things. So you know what? I would be like, I would be like a a classic Dracula type in that regard. You'd be like the Byronic hero vampire. Thank you for saying that to me. (laughs) Thank you for saying that to me. So that's you and Jordan's bimbo vampire. I love that. I'm a lost boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. But specifically the one with like the super curly hair mullet. Mm -hmm. That one, because that that one is the bimboist of all of them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Today's episode is season three, episode seven Fresh Blood. Gordon's last hurrah. Farewell, my friend. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Kim Manners and originally aired on November 15th, 2007. Miss Sarah. Miss mm-hmm. Sarah coming back. I love any Gordon episode. Yeah. Honestly, I really love this episode. I, I feel like mm-hmm. it's so engaging. I just, mm-hmm. it also leaves such a bad, you know, it's like all the Gordon episodes. They're so good. But then you're like, ooh, the racism though. This episode definitely has its highs and lows. It's yeah. a very good episode. I will say that. There are just things that needed tweaking. But yeah, I actually like the idea of, like, Bella, for one, is never a victim. Like, yeah. she's always in control. But here, she's just, like, the idea of, like, just having the white woman at the car and, like, the black man just come up with the gun. Right. It could have been a little more nuanced, I feel like I feel like every time something offensive happens in this show we're like I feel like it could have worked if it could have worked well if it had like a little more nuance like I feel like we use that (laughs) word so (laughs) I feel like every time we're like it would have worked so well if it wasn't fucking racist (laughs) yeah I feel like I should replace the word nuance with cognitive thought that might be better right if they looked at it and they were like how does this perpetuate ideas that like black men are out to get white women (laughs) maybe they wouldn't have had it like this in the final product since we're already on it do we want to just talk about race in this episode right now and then i think we have to yeah no i think so too especially you know considering like jordan says it's like right off the bat in the cold open that's Mm -hmm. how we start the episode the vulnerable white woman approached alone at night by her car with the the scary black man who's gonna kill her or whatever i hate the setup i really like bella's attitude yeah for sure 
I feel like that's how so much of this episode goes where like the characters themselves and dialogue isn't bad but just Mm -hmm. it's so like not reflective about what any of this implies and that's me giving them the benefit of the doubt that they don't realize how racist it is right I mean, I would hope that they're not doing some straight up birth of a nation Mm -hmm. as propagandizing the viciousness and monstrosity of black men and the dangers of having them around white women. I would hope that they're not doing that. Miss Sarah, I'm I'm side eyeing you a little, (laughs) but like that's how old this problem is, you know, and it's even Mm -hmm. older than that. So my issue with this whole thing, and this is with Gordon's arc as a whole, Mm. what because what? they are trying to do here this is a tale as old of time and the monster genre is showing the descent into monsterhood yeah but they started him out as a monster like he gordon was the monster from the start it honestly kind of sounded like it even before he started being a hunter he was kind of the monster even if he was white this is not good storytelling to me Mm -hmm. and a Mm -hmm. real big misuse of his character and then the use of these tropes with him just really puts a sour taste in my mouth yeah i have other thoughts about the the arc and the descent that maybe we could talk about at the end But I agree with you that, like, when all of the other characters that are good guys are white and then most of the Black characters are antagonists, it's kind of like, (laughs) especially when one of them is, like, first a murder psycho and then a vampire. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even just that we have this cold open where they're like, ooh, the scary Black man out to get the white women, right? That's mm-hmm. like something that mm-hmm. continues throughout the episode, yeah. like throughout the whole fucking thing. He doesn't interact with the first white woman vampire, the one that the boys interrogate, but he does kill the next two. And then he he kidnaps and holds hostage a third who he then also turns into a vampire. Again, you know, they make a big show of uh, like her crying and like him putting her on the phone and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, like even just the one like with Bella Talbot in the cold open was like a lot. And I'm like, really? But like you did this that many more times like how did it never occur to you that like the crazy murdery black man on a rampage against white women was gonna kind of be an issue yeah (laughs) oh miss sarah why (laughs) yeah there was literally no need for his final victim to also be a white woman right it was so stupid it's always white women yeah. as the victims here. And then the only other role that Supernatural allows Black people to fill is the victim or the a perpetrator. Right. Like, there's no other option. Right. Exactly. At least that they give us. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and, and for a long time, I think the only standouts against that have been, and we've talked about this, Missouri Mosley and then Cassie, whose last name is escaping me, but both of whom were in season one and both had their own, you know, racist issues Mm -hmm. going on. And then after that, we don't have another black woman character (laughs) for like a really long time. It sucks. And it really... 
wouldn't say it overshadows Sterling K. Brown's acting because his acting like shines through this, but it yeah, just absolutely. sucks that that they didn't like give him a better opportunity or like a better storyline. Like he deserves yeah. so much more than this. And also yeah. like viewers deserve more than this and black people deserve more than to be like put in these horrible roles that are so blind to what it implies. Right, right, right. And this is something that's discussed with regards to um, queer characters as well, LGBT plus characters, Mm -hmm. is that like, you know, we deserve to be represented in like a multitude of different like dynamic kinds of characters, like, you know, be it like good guys or bad guys and in between and all kinds of stuff. And I think in that regard, like when you look at it like that, Gordon is still like a cool character and his arc is really cool. It's just like we've previously discussed. It's just this, the one story, you know, this is the only story of black men that we're getting from Supernatural, no matter what the character is again for like a long, long time. There is Rufus in season five, I think is when he shows up, but that's a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a while of only having mm-hmm. black men as antagonists, especially when, you know, is perpetuating this idea that they, they want to torture and kill white women. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm laughing because it's not funny and I'm tired. <laughs> Like in an existential way, like not like a sleepy, tired way, to be clear. Well, I guess that just leaves us with the actual start of the episode. <laughs> yeah, now that, that we've got that out of the way, like <laughs> major disclaimer that none of us liked that even yeah. a little. <laughs> but now that we've got that out of the way, we can dig into more of what is actually going on here. And I would like to still start with the cold open because Mm -hmm. I think there is a lot to talk about just in terms of like character dynamics. It was really interesting to see two reoccurring characters interact for the first time. Yeah. That's always really fun in television Mm -hmm. series. So I just really like Bella. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the no fear, even when Matt with like a total psycho, she's still somehow Mm -hmm. in control. I love how she looks at him in the eyes and is like, yeah, shoot me. Like, the only way I'm giving you info is if you pay me enough. And also, by the way, I'm not cheap. Yeah, I love it. She's like, I don't even get out of bed for Mm $3,000. Good for her. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting how the longer the scene goes on, like the longer their interaction drags, the more confident she gets especially once he starts saying stuff about Sam being the antichrist and she's like, Oh, so this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like where initially she was like startled by him. Then she just was like, Oh, this guy's a fool. And I like, who cares? I do find the whole quote unquote mojo bag thing interesting just in terms of continuity. I don't know if you noticed, but the symbol on the bag was the same symbol from the episode in season two with the inn that they saw like all over the house and like on the vases and stuff. So they are specifically saying that this is a hoodoo related item without actually using that word, which I thought was cool. Someone in props was like, what if we remembered to use the same symbols? (laughs) What if we did that? Good for you, sweetie. 
I also like something the show doesn't always do. I'm glad we didn't have to learn anything about the hoodoo bag because it did not matter, at least right. at this point. And I'm glad we didn't have to learn why Gordon is out of jail. I don't care. He's out of jail. It's fine. We're ready right. to just get into the episode. They let you know early. They're like, we're just getting into it. Yeah, actually, I think that's something that is consistent throughout this episode is a really yeah. good sense of editing and mm-hmm. what um, scenes are actually necessary to move the plot along. Yes. I made a note of something similar when they walked out of the um, goth club spider and they were like, well, that was a waste of time. I was like, <laughs> yes, yep. you did it. We didn't need to be in that club, although I did want to go in. I was a little curious as well. I want to know where the, the vampires story, hang out. Huh? I said, I want to know where the vampires hang out. I know, right? Obviously <laughs> at the bronze, Jordan. The bronze. True, the bronze. <laughs> <laughs> we get like every hunting bar, dive bar on the side of the road. Why can't we get that cool ass spider? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's because they don't go into spider to like hang out. Like that's not where they might talk about stuff. Whereas a dive bar, they feel more comfortable. So they might talk about their boy feelings in there. Yeah, true. (laughs) I do like, though, that you were just mentioning the bronze because we get someone from the bronze. (laughs) Yes. Much like in Gordon's first episode, (laughs) in Gordon's last episode, we have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer alum, Mercedes McNabb. Mm -hmm who played Lucy, who is the girl who's freaking out because she thinks she's tripping balls. But yeah, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she plays Harmony, who is the bimbo vampire. Yes. Light of my life. I'm obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. I was really sad there wasn't like any kind of reference to that character at all. Like, it's not as if they referenced Tara in the yeah. other episode in any kind of way. But still, I would just... Something about Harmony is so iconic. Yeah. I there was no way to bring up her unicorn collection, her <laughs> unicorn figurine collection. If they just had her in a unicorn shirt, it would have been perfect. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Her shirt was nice. I will mention not a lot of fashion notes this episode. Uh, I'll say right off the bat, all four of the white women vampires were wearing white or very, mm. very light pastel tops. So, you know, keeping that trend alive. But hers in particular, this Lucy character was like a very, very, very pale grayish blue sort of like camisole style lacy tank and she had like a soft like unstructured blazer over top that almost was like a sweatshirt fabric which i had something just like that in like 2008 2009 so again of its time Mm -hmm. (laughs) incredible we love to see it she was a traumatic and fun little guest star to have (laughs) so that was oh my god yeah that character (laughs) That situation just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Man, if someone was going around giving out vampire blood as a drug around that time, I mean, I guess it would have been a few years later, but like I definitely in my early 20s had some very unsafe accepting substances mm-hmm. from randoms <laughs> experiences. So like that could that would be me. That would be me in this universe. <laughs> 
something like so many shows need more of too. Like, like give us the alternative stories of how people end up like vampires and zombies and all this weird shit. Like explore (laughs) the weird cases. Like that's so fun. Yeah, totally agree. That would just be the weirdest, most unfortunate way to get turned into a vampire, especially because like you have no expectation going into it like that. Like, okay, if I even if I didn't want to be a vampire, right, if I got attacked by a vampire and they were vampiring me, I would be like, oh, I'm getting vampired. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I have clear I have a clear set of expectations given the situation. (laughs) (laughs) they are not afforded that in any capacity (laughs) it's sad yeah it is very sad i'm a little shocked that like they didn't keep in touch with like lenore and have like a little like oh you're now a vampire let's hook you up with like a vampire support group right like off with your head right well i mean i think they were specifically like we better never hear from you again that's the, true when they left them off but even then you know you have to wonder like she didn't just like murder three or four people or whatever yeah so like uh, like what are they supposed to do probably for the best yeah yeah and like she was really like out of control but then uh, like how do you get more vampires to stop vampiring people if you don't offer them the opportunity to stop yeah. you know So, like, who knows? Now we're getting into an ethics conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Which the universe of Supernatural is not equipped to handle at this point, at least. No. (laughs) (laughs) The ethics are not good (laughs) in this show. (laughs) They're uh, they're interesting. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) Speaking of which, I wondered what y'all thought of Sam's decision to tell Lucy that if she told them what happened, they would let her go, which was obviously a lie. But like, I actually thought that that line was a little weird coming from Sam. Yeah, because Sam is the one who is usually about the truth and is the first person to tell people the truth. Like we saw recently in the fairy tale episode with the father. Mm-hmm. And Dean is the one who like literally had this whole ass micro story about lying in like the first two seasons. So oh, was that maybe in season one, episode eight, Bugs? <laughs> is that what you were I tried, to? I tried not to. <laughs> I tried to I tried to keep it so open. But yeah, it I was think that's mostly the first bugs. time. Is that the first time we've mentioned bugs in season three? We're on a roll. I wouldn't be super sure about that, but that might be true. (laughs) I think it's come up at least once before. I'm sorry. It's probably, it's my fault. It's always my fault. But yeah. So I actually kind of thought that maybe, well, was that a good choice or a bad choice? Because they did mix it up, but we don't know if Sam different. Is Sam different? Is there something wrong with my brother? (laughs) (laughs) Dean's the one that chops her head off, so. Dean Dean chops her head off, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. I actually thought it was a little kind. He knew that they were going to have to kill her anyway. And saying that put her mind at ease, at least for like another couple of minutes. And she felt like someone was hearing her. But also, again, just like speaking of ethics, it's like, Mm. (laughs) I don't know. 
And considering how this episode ends, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that it seems more like a Dean kind of move to lie outright about something like that. Because there's this whole thing at the end about him trying to, like, looking up to Dean and trying to emulate Dean. Yeah. And so maybe we can interpret this not as, like, evidence of Sam's monstrosity, but of Sam pushing himself to behave more like he thinks Dean would. That's very true. (laughs) I'm thinking a lot of thoughts this episode, Mm -hmm. y'all. Quick mention wavy gravy i just love dean's little weird his little his a wavy gravy what the fuck are you talking yeah, about like i just love his like weird isms i don't even know what to call them <laughs> he's he's so cute yeah stupid little man giving everyone little nicknames <laughs> gotta gotta smooch his little forehead he's so dumb i love him <laughs> wavy gravy wavy gravy <laughs> like what the hell team would have been bullied in high school oh my fucking god right <laughs> although to be fair he probably wouldn't be half so fucking strange if he yes. had actually stayed in one spot and had like a normal public school education yes. so maybe he wouldn't have been bullied that much but certainly with his personality as is <laughs> if he had stayed yes. at one <laughs> high school for all of it oh man <laughs> So Gordon and Kubrick, because he has Kubrick with him now, um, they go to the hospital to like talk to the one guy who Lucy managed to not kill. (laughs) And I love this scene because they do the like, oh, it's good that you didn't get blood in you because then we'd have to kill you. You know, like the ha ha, but seriously (laughs) thing, which like whatever i don't really care about that i think it was it was fun Mm -hmm. but what really tickles me about this scene is when they're asking about the boys because like the guy mentions two guys that helped him and he's like i don't know one of them was real tall though (laughs) and gordon turns around and the camera's looking at him and he's like (laughs) you can see him like the wheels turning yes (laughs) I was just like, oh, thank goodness you're not a white woman. They would have been like, just to be extra careful, we might as well just take off your head here in the hospital. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a fun scene. It was a I'm fun just little like, cut. Sam's only character trait, like when people are trying to like find him, is like yeah. he's tall. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. he has a lot of easily describable facial features like I, I feel like Jared Padalecki's face is really distinct mm-hmm. so like I don't know it's they're just like oh yeah he's really fucking tall instead of saying like the 10 other things about the way his face looks or how his hair is or whatever yeah. <laughs> he has know- a distinct hairstyle too I want to know how like many guys Gordon has found that there were described as two guys and one was tall. How many did he have to go after in the months we haven't seen him? <laughs> oh like, my he's god! He's all over every town looking for a tall motherfucker. Yeah, and that's the only trait. It's just like, hey, have you seen a tall guy? <laughs> yeah, seen a tall. Like, every college town is his like worst nightmare. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after this is when we see Sam and Dean come out of Spider. And yes. we've already bemoaned the lack of going in there, although it was a good plot move. Yes. But I have to say, like, this scene, 
the setup of it is so Buffy. It's like, I know for a fact Sarah Gamble watches Buffy because they Mm. come out of the club and they go to save somebody in the fucking alleyway and then they get ambushed by more baddies in the alleyway and they have a big alleyway fight when they never they never have shit like this in the show almost never and I mean part of that can be attributed to the fact that they're not usually in like an overly urban setting um but they're also they're usually inside of buildings I think like in warehouses or like shacks and things like that it just feels like we've talked about someone who enjoys the vampire genre and is aware of like where everyone's collective consciousness about like what the vampire genre looks like in that point in time yeah i I just love that it's so good and also like this is a big part of this episode when we were talking about the pacing this type of scene makes the episode feel really snappy yeah i think buffy's good at yeah so like it really lended itself well into this episode totally agree just everything about this fight scene is so good mm-hmm. and if um you ever have the opportunity to talk to me about other action genre things other fight scenes like whether it be in movies or tv or whatever my biggest complaint you'll ever hear is about choreography and a lack of emotional stakes but what I find so interesting about that is usually like the emotional stakes in a fight scene come from like the dialogue and face. Yeah. But here, because we understand Gordon and Kubrick so deeply and they've talked their fucking heads off yeah. so much, they're always so full of banter whenever we're around them. And here they just show up and they're like, ready to fucking murderfy these guys yeah it makes it really intense because yeah. of that contrast it's so good absolutely yeah, I think this is something supernatural would really benefit from is like if they allowed the way we show different monsters in other media to filter into this like it's so fun that in the vampire episode they treated like other things treat vampires I wish that carried over into other monsters and creatures too. I think that would really benefit it. So it wasn't like the same formula when it's a different monster. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. That'd be cool. Yeah. And then on top of all of this stuff, like the movement of the scene is really dynamic. You know, we've got Dean jumping on the car and running Uh away and Kubrick going after him and, you know, Sam and Gordon doing their thing. And then, all of a sudden, the other vampire guy comes out of nowhere, right? Yep. You fucking forgot about him. It's just, it's so, like you said, snappy. Yeah. It, it just feels so good. I'm so in it. It was, in my opinion, probably one of the best action scenes of the show so far. Yeah. If not the best, to be honest. Yeah. No, it's definitely, it's really, it's up there. I'm trying to think of other action scenes that stuck out in my head. Maybe the one in season two with the zombie girl when they get her back into the grave and stake her into it. That was good. The other Gordon one behind the bar too. Like to me, it has to go to Gordon one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his scenes, it's like we were saying, Gordon is such an interesting character. He has great dialogue and uh, Sterling K. Brown is just, he brings such life to the character as well. So whenever he's on screen, it's just so thoroughly engrossing, almost no matter what he's doing. 
it almost makes me a little sad because I'm like, I was thinking this episode, I'm like, Sterling K. Brown would have been a really good overarching villain for an entire season. Yeah. Because he would have given us the opportunity to learn a lot about hunter culture, for one, which is something the show has not given us a lot of. Right. And kind of the methods that maybe the boys use. We get to see those used on them. It's just like we're growing the boys through the use of a villain. That would be such a cool thing to me. Yeah. And I definitely think they try to do that to a certain extent. But Mm -hmm. Gordon is certainly underutilized in that capacity. And, you know, part of that is due to the fact that they were like, I don't know what to do with this dude. Uh, Put him in jail. (laughs) Which is so crazy because it's Sterling K. Brown. Like this is a huge movie star now. Yeah, they had this actor and they didn't know what to do with him. I know it's wild. And and you know what? I'm pretty sure it's because he's black. Literally. Yeah. Like there's no convincing me that they would have ignored the level of talent that he Mm -hmm. has if he were a white man instead. Like the amount of charisma he has on screen is like the level of like starting season four and suddenly Misha Collins is there. But, you know, (laughs) Misha, they were like, oh, why don't we just keep him around forever? Whereas Sterling K. Brown, they're like, oh, (laughs) bye. (laughs) And this isn't just like in this. They did the same in Arrow. One of the main characters was just one off and they loved her. So it really like highlights the disparity between that. This makes me want Sterling K. Brown just to have a paranormal show i don't care what he's doing just something spooky yeah Ugh, i'm interested and i agree with you Allie. he should do something spooky yeah if you're listening sterling k brown tell us about your process what <laughs> roles you plan on picking out we have ideas for you sterling k brown is way too good for us and i'm not even <laughs> offended by this like no yeah um he listens every week Allie. don't you see him interacting with our twitter at OTR Supernatural. He's our biggest fan. Oh my God. Yeah, he loves the content I post about my mom. <laughs> Sterling K. Brown loves moms. Well, this conversation took a turn for the <laughs> something. Anyway. <laughs> After so, this, we touch base with Bella again. Yes. I love this phone call. I just love Bella, who kept her cool with Gordon, who was literally Mm -hmm. holding a gun to her face, like, obviously respects Dean enough that Mm -hmm. she's scared of him. Yeah. It was just so funny that, like, juxtaposition of those two conversations with the two different hunters. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, she's been around both of them now and has an understanding of how both of them think. If not necessarily how Gordon operates, definitely how Dean does. And she has the critical thinking skills to know which one is actually going to be a problem. I I actually feel really bad for her in this scene because she does seem worried about them when yeah. they're like, oh, he showed up with a friend, by the way, and like they're trying to kill us. Thanks. <laughs> um, and it's not just the concern. I think she was just so certain that Gordon was like a complete fool because of the things he said to her that she was just like, who fucking cares if I send him over where they're at? Like, I actually believe her that she intended to let them know, but was just like, it's not that big a deal because this guy believes in the fucking antichrist. He cannot be serious. (laughs) Um, 
it bumps me out because it feels like mostly a miscommunication of intent and they never, you know, they don't sort it out really. Yeah. She, like, I don't think she meant to actually cause them harm. I don't know. No. Dean is so mad. So mad. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the scary thing, though, about a human being the monster is because Mm -hmm. monsters are inherently stronger than humans, but they always have like, there's something, there's a method to dealing with monsters, but like they're on equal footing with a person. Yeah. So that's scary. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's almost like unequal footing in a way because they kind of have an advantage over them anyway, because it feels like Gordon definitely has less things holding him back from straight up murdering them while it doesn't necessarily go the other way around. Right. And also Gordon's their dad. (laughs) Gordon's the car. Gordon's the car. The car is God. The car is God. I can't do this. <laughs> it's well, just going to get fault. <laughs> I know. It's just going to get more layered and complicated the further into the show we get. <laughs> it's just going to get worse. <laughs> I'm ready for the descent. Oh, saying the word descent makes me sad because it makes me remember John's not in hell anymore. Ugh, don't remind me. So now we get to this scene between Dixon, the vampire guy, and Gordon. And all I just have to say, Jordan, you must feel so fucking validated. You called it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I, okay, I will say, just before people give me too much credit, I did guess vampires last episode, but I've also guessed vampires for like the last four episodes. So it was bound to hit at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, true. But like, with the idea of him sort of spiraling out of control and like, revenge getting the best of him and like, you know, the destructiveness of pursuing a vendetta and um, the destructiveness of holding on to anger. It made sense narratively that this is where it was going. All Vampire jokes aside. So I don't think it's really a surprise, but it's still very cool <laughs> and fucked up when it does happen. Sometimes we hit Yahtzee. Yeah. You know, it's just like when we first watched that first Gordon episode and at the end you were like, he's going to be turned into a vampire. There, nothing, nothing will be better to me than that moment. Me and Allie looking at each other like, are you fucking kidding me it was so fucking early on too like you say that we're led to assume that this will happen jordan give yourself credit like what the actual fuck like ben's convinced you're a prophet at this point with how much you know beforehand can i actually tell you something we've been really good about not distracting and getting away from the podcast i have a quick story please very it just happened it's relevant to this and it happened a couple days ago I was talking to someone, I want to say it was a coworker, I mean, it was a customer at work, but it was the day Betty White died. And they were like, wow, that's so sad. Betty White died right before her 100th birthday. And I was like, yeah, first Bob Saget and then Betty White. And they were like, Bob Saget's not dead. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. And I was like, I wonder where I heard that. And then like later I had to look it up because I like had swore Bob Saget had not died yet. He ended up dying two days later. 
I was like, what the fuck? Jordan. Fuck Jordan. I think it was just because I had been watching BoJack Horseman and Bob Saget was an inspiration for that show. Yeah. So I think he was just in my mind, but it was just a really weird coincidence. No, I was convinced you only were psychic about TV shows. Now I'm not. It's about everything. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I, I'm not. No, like you always seem to just know things though. Like I'm not, not just not just about tv like you're just a spooky bitch like i don't know like something fucking genetic you and your mom both both of y'all spooky bitches i'll hold on to that title (laughs) okay so i do want to talk about the scene because i have a possibly unpopular opinion and i want to (gasps) tell me more I love this episode, but hated any scene with Dixon. I actually thought he really detracted from the episode and took (laughs) away from it. I hated him. I hated anything he said. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I just was so over it. I'm like, couldn't he have just turned Gordon and died? We didn't need anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, let's keep the focus on Gordon. I didn't care about... I won't say anything about it yet, but I was his stupid spiel. Like, my eyes were rolling the whole time. Yeah. I was just like, this dumb bitch. (laughs) Well, he wouldn't have killed himself right after he turned Gordon because he was keeping himself alive to, like, hang out with his vampire ladies that he just made. It's so frustrating. It definitely feels like almost how we glorify some serial killers, and like justify it with like their past or the people they were close to like he's turning people into these vampires after his daughter this is just creepy as fuck like there's no redemption there like why do we always do this like men do the littlest and we're like oh that's so great at least they have this thing this reason for murder yeah no this dude is just a fucking psycho and honestly there's something really cool about even after everything being in this scene between gordon and dixon and gordon is just like going off on him like you're fucking murder asshole fuck you you know i don't like the fang whores comment (laughs) obviously it was was, like needlessly uh, misogynistic like we didn't decide to do that but it wasn't clever no it wasn't he's just like well they're (laughs) (laughs) Whores. <laughs> <laughs> like okay like what i want the statistics of how many times in this show they tie women up like this versus they tie men up like this oh my god because i feel like it's two times they tie up men like this and then it's every other fucking episode from yeah no for sure maybe we should start keeping a, a running tally it should be one of the things we just keep count of arbitrarily Yeah, we've had to see women tied up like this a lot. I want vindication. We better get Dean tied up at least once. Legs spread. Oh my God. Head on the ground, like just (laughs) bound. We want those VPs, those vulnerable positions. (laughs) I'm waiting supernatural. I'm tapping. I'm tapping here. Time's running out. Quit it. Oh my God. (laughs) Weird nitpicky thing Hmm. after this scene. (laughs) we get this shot of dean sharpening his machete or whatever right before bella calls them back to be like oh hey like i did my fucking ouija board this is where gordon is but also like don't go after him because he's bad he literally first of all it needs to be wet (laughs) yes 
that thing is bone dry. Second of all, he is running the machete completely perpendicular to the stone to the like. And I'm like, oh, like you're making it dull. <laughs> you're making it duller. <laughs> you have to run it along the the edge of the blade. You grind off the extra bit. Oh my God. It just, I know it's stupid. I know it doesn't matter, but I'm looking at that and I'm cringing <laughs> so hard. I'm like, you're never going to be able to chop through someone's spinal a column you like know that. There's sweetie. a sweetie intern somewhere like, just, just watching that and gritting their te- teeth. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah. They just want a machete that thwacks like a baseball bat. You should just give them baseball bats then. You know, Dean has a Rambo fantasy, though. He has to have the machete. (laughs) Oh, my God. That motherfucker. Definitely. Definitely. I just know for a fact he, like, saw that on TV in a motel during, like, I don't know, his late teens or whatever. And was like, do I want to be him or do I want to fuck him? And he still doesn't know the answer. The answer is yes. truly what happens next in it i forget gordon's transformation so he like wakes up having been turned essentially and we uh experience the world anew from his eyes i i find this scene really compelling because we haven't had a scene from the perspective of a vampire before this is the first time that they've done this and we have an idea of how the sensory inputs are really changed like the loudness of the ticking clock and the brightness of the lights and the intensity of the heartbeat and everything. I think it's very, very cool. I agree. The use of red lighting was really fun. Oh, Actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when he, um, he's like, look, he's facing down and there's the red light as he's like looking up into his reflection in the window. Man, that was so aesthetically pleasing. And I might be wrong because we, I just did not keep track of it, but I'm pretty sure Gordon was in red most of the episode leading up to this. Mm. So I don't remember, to be honest. At the start of the scene, I know um, he has blue light in his face when he wakes up. So I really mm-hmm. like how, like, as he realizes the transition, it transitions mm-hmm. to the red and then the reflection. So fucking good. Yeah. And I also love how they flash between his perspective and Dean's because it is jarring and shows you, like, how shocking it would be. Like, what would you even do? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Y'all both watched Midnight Mass. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, one of my favorite things in that was in like the last episode or two when they were showing everything from the vampire perspective Mm -hmm. with like the way the lights sort of glowed as if they all had astigmatism and like things like that. Oh, it's just so neat. And I love that usage here, like the the streak of the tail lights as the car turns a corner. Absolutely. And then he had to take a break from killing women and he kills a man. So good on you, Gordon. We're learning. Yeah. Vampire yeah, Gordon's woke. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> Shut up. I don't even know what that fucking means in this context, but I know I, I don't like it. <laughs> I love that death scene though. Mm-hmm. It, like the amount of blood squirting everywhere and they have the car rocking. 
(laughs) 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 They have the car rocking like it's an 80s movie and they're parked at Makeout Point or whatever, but it's like extreme vampire murder (laughs) instead. (laughs) The hook man appears. He's like, oh, sorry, wrong car. Hand hook car man hook door. No. <laughs> After this, though, is your favorite scene, Jordan. Dixon's sad little whiny speech. <laughs> I, was, uh... I, okay, listen, I know it's very on the nose, okay? Yeah. And it's so melodramatic. Mm-hmm. But first off, Jensen was looking real cute in this scene for no reason. And that already makes me like it more. And then second off, the way they play it off later by having Sam bring it up derisively makes it totally fine. I feel like once we get to the point where it's like, oh, everyone knows that guy was full of crap. (laughs) Then like we're not supposed to actually be taking him seriously. Like we're supposed to be like, what the fuck is with him? Then it becomes to me enjoyable again because I'm like, oh, we're all on the same page here. He's a fucking idiot. (laughs) I just was like, I felt like there was enough context in this episode that we could have still had the realization from Sam without needing this little monologue first. If they had had maybe had this scene and shortened it into like three sentences, like it was three bangers of a sentence. Yeah. I totally agree. Like that's like an, editing thing like he just needed it just needed to be less and he needed to not have already given a similar rant to gordon yeah. <laughs> like oh it's so much yeah it's so much it still doesn't bother me as much though as the on the nose moments of bedtime stories even as unsubtle as it is, it could be even less subtle, Jordan. And that's the problem. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they didn't like in freaking bedtime stories, they're like the writers, their hand, like the ring protruded from the screen and placed a dunce cap (laughs) right on top of your noggin before retracting as you sat there. (laughs) Then they swiveled your chair to face the corner and think about it. crawled back in the tv oh my god Allie, what did you have for research today or or lore today so this one i didn't have anything because we've talked about the symbol we've talked about the antichrist Uh we've talked about vampires and how to end vampires right okay Okay. i just wanted to double check since you're being like obviously it's because of the wi-fi but like yeah I don't want it to just be Jasper and Jordan scream about Here. the episode. No, I- For your lore section, we're going to play hot or not. I'm going to yell at a character and you're going to tell me if they're hot or not. I love it. All right. Dixon. Yes. Gordon. Yes. You have to say hot, Allie. Hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> who, uh, Bella. Of course. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> um. Just within the context of this episode, Dean. Hot. Sam. Not. The first vampire we see that Dean and Sam kill. I don't know if she was named. Oh, my God. 
her tits are amazing i know right <laughs> i was like in awe like oh my god they're perfect they made sure you saw them yes they made sure the camera was like look at her titties <laughs> if i had those tits i would constantly do that as well like it's yeah. dessert yeah no for sure well there you have it folks the segment you've all been waiting for in lieu of the lore, hot or not, <laughs> by Allie. <laughs> it's just, it's very Holy fitting because if any of you know Allie in real life, she will very instantly let you know how attractive she thinks any everyone is the oh, second yeah. they enter a TV screen. Why? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because I don't think I do, but apparently. You totally do. Literally, like two days ago, you were like, I watched Supernatural. And by the way, Mark Shepard is hot. Like, I didn't even have to be in the room with you. (laughs) I did. We watched one episode and I was like, my God, I have forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. No, I love it. This is the content I crave. I have to know what you think. All right, so she just back. ask yourself, are they too old for me? If the answer is yes and they're a man, then yes. So no young men, only old men for Allie. She likes them crusty, dusty, and full of okay, let's talk about uh Gordon and Kubrick. <laughs> the word you were looking for was musty. Crusty, musty. dusty, and musty. Mm-hmm. That's but what anyway, I No, was. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gordon goes to see Kubrick. Did you guys like this scene? Uh, yes, adjacent. Yes, adjacent. (laughs) My thing with Kubrick is they did such a good job of building Kubrick up that I almost wanted him to get away. I was rooting for him. I'm like, bring this weirdo back. But I do, I do think it was kind of good to show where like a hunter would stand on this situation. Mm -hmm. Kubrick had his own belief and moral system. Gordon did as well. And there was like that clashing ego. It was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, no, I really agree. I thought like all of the buildup they had from Bad Day of Black Rock, where his faith and as Ali argued, fanaticism about Christ was like a big joke. And here we get those exact same icons and images used in a much more serious way. You know, Gordon didn't go there to kill Kubrick. He went there to be like, I have this horrible power now and I'm going to make the best of it. And the way he looks at the, uh, the, the crucifix while that is really egotistical mm-hmm. that he sees himself as a Christ, like yeah. he's gonna, you know, bear all of this evil uh, in order for humanity to go on, like get over yourself, you fucking asshole. It's still so interesting. So I love this moment when he did that just because it's like Sarah Gamble's little stamp. Yeah, that's her little explanation point. (laughs) Yeah, always. (laughs) She's like, you evangelical zealots, fuck you. Every time she gets a chance. Yeah, and good for her. Right? As soon as it's a gamble episode, I'm like, okay, where's the religious trauma? Like, it's gotta be sprinkled in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there it was. There it went. 
And I think it's especially potent because of the fact that he's running around specifically calling Sam the Antichrist. So we have that contrast there as well. And for all that it's so direct and in our face, I still don't feel like it's too much. You know what I I mean? I agree. Well, especially like we have two things going on here. We have Gordon who literally believes like he, this is his purpose. Like, Mm-hmm. He is Christ. And then we have Kubrick, whose blind faith literally gets him killed in this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just two, two real fun things that we're playing with here. For sure, for sure. And it's amazing how well a completely ridiculous slapstick episode like Bad Day of Black Rock sets up yeah. this very serious one. Mm -hmm. Like putting them back to back is almost nonsensical, Mm -hmm. but you could still do it. Yeah. Because of the way the content follows through. It's, it's so wild to me. So we have another very emotionally intense scene right after this, if we're ready to get into that. Yeah. But first I do want to mention they, they managed to throw in their little product placement for Motorola. I love that. Like, like, do they have any other sponsors? I don't know. I don't believe so. I don't fucking know, dude. Clearly they didn't because the CW, as it has come out recently, has not been profitable since 2006 when it was started. I know. Oh, my God. Can you fucking believe that? That made me fucking lose my mind. Like, there were so many good jokes about that on Twitter. Someone was like, the CW was born when Dean was born and died when he died because the founding date was Dean's birthday, January 24th. And then they crashed and burned finally right when they um, killed Dean and ended Supernatural. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so now I feel a little bad for all of our snide comments about, like, can you, like, figure out where to actually spend money in your budget to, like, make things not horrible? Apparently, they literally couldn't because they just never had money. (laughs) They just never had it. Oh, goodness. I don't feel bad because we're like yeah spend money to rewrite this and not make it racist (laughs) yeah or like sexist or Mm -hmm. really anti-gay which all of all is sam's not the anti-christ he's the anti-gay okay listen i still am very much a all of team free will are queer believer so i don't that's fair i don't think he's the anti-gay i think john is the anti-gay did you guys see that the super straight flag is just the Sephora flag without the logo? Shut <laughs> up. No. <sighs> Can someone tell the straights to like, I don't know, like get a hobby. Jesus. The fuck out. Yeah. Like girlies, calm down. No one is coming for you. <sighs> no one cares. Women are literally not coming for you either. Snacks, Allie. Well, back to... Wait, no, I never... I didn't finish my thing about the fucking phones. Okay, so they're like, oh, the the, um, SIM card in the phone. Gotta take it out and break it. But then they stomp on the phones themselves, too. (laughs) I'm like, first off, you don't need to do that. But second off, stepping on them a couple of times. Haven't we been over this with destroying our our technology and like hard drives before? Like y'all. <laughs> yeah. Well, also like the pacing that. of the scene makes it feel like they destroy their phones and then leave. And I was like, why not just leave them there? 
Like, right. why go through all this trouble? <laughs> right. Just, like, go to a different location. Yeah. Which reminds me, what the fuck is with all the mattresses in this episode? Oh, my gosh. I, I was dying. And it, that place looks like as soon as you walk in, you get bed bugs. Yeah. Okay, because, like, I think they're in a defunct motel. Yeah. But, like, why are there, like, five mattresses in one room? Did they spend, like, a, an hour or two just dragging all the mattresses in there? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, why? True. And then, but then, in the warehouse that they were in earlier, where they killed Lucy, that whole room was full of mattresses. So I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What? I don't know. I know it's stupid and it doesn't matter, but I'm very confused. Yeah, I wish I had answers for you. I actually wrote down what is this set. So I'm, with <laughs> I'm you. glad we were at least all on the same page. <laughs> okay, now we can talk about our intense feelings. Mm-hmm. Now that I've complained about cell phones and mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. That's something this episode does really well. This episode just does not let us come down. We're like just no. always at a high. I can't come down. I can't come down. I just want to come down. <laughs> I took something. <laughs> Sorry. We've been building up to this conversation for a really long time and it felt super good to finally have it. Yeah. I think part of what makes it really good is how it starts off with Sam being very snide. And like I mentioned, bringing up the whole Dixon thing, the, oh, wait, let me guess, because you're already dead. Like, like just completely not being sympathetic at all. But then pulling back almost immediately and pivoting, I, I don't think it was strategic or intentional. I think it, you know, it was just the natural flow of the conversation. But on so on top of that, there's the fact that throughout this episode, they've been highlighting these moments of Dean being really reckless. And Sam does like say stuff about it, like, like what the fuck like what is wrong with you but like it's not like a huge thing it's like when we watched bedtime stories this is what we wanted was this kind of continuity throughout the episode where they were like touching on the conflict but they weren't having an argument the whole time and then he brings it up all at once it felt very organic because that's that's how like real arguments work like tension builds and builds and builds and then there's an outpour Right, right, right. In in most situations, obviously, yes. some people are more volatile and some people bottle more. Yes. But I think in general, yeah. My favorite has to be the end of it when he says, just cause. Like, he's like, I want my brother back because, and then just cause. Like, he, like there's no real reason. He just yeah. is feeling really isolated and alone because Dean is not engaging with him like a person. Really, or like himself, I guess, more specifically. Absolutely. It just, it made me so emotional. I wasn't expecting to get emotional during this episode, which I haven't seen as many times as some of the other ones that we've watched. Because I mostly just remembered being irritated with the racism, which Mm -hmm. again is very off-putting, not to minimize that at all. 
I thought Jared was really good in this yes. scene. I know he, we don't often highlight his acting in in moments like this because I think he's, in my opinion, is better at big emotions than being subtle or or like subtly dynamic, I guess, uh, as how I would characterize this little speech because it, yeah. you know, it shifts, uh, it shifts gears a lot. But yeah, I think organic, like you said, it definitely, definitely feels organic. And I was very moved. I was moved. <laughs> they care about each other. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this, for one, this was probably my favorite brother's moment. But for me, it's definitely the payoff at the end, which we'll get into later. Yes. Really. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. I just think this particular argument is interesting because um, Dean usually has a lot to say in response. Like he he's full of retorts and this shuts him up really good because instead of continuing to be yelling at Dean, Sam decides to just be really vulnerable about his emotions and not express them in ways that he's already expressed. So if it, it feels more intense here because of that. Yeah, absolutely. There's something that feels really juvenile about it. And I think, he, you know, it's just he's revealing an emotional weakness and in saying, like, I miss you and I need you with, you know, in in not those words exactly, but I am compelled by it. <laughs> Yeah, especially talking to Dean as a little brother seemed to be what Dean responded to the most, because that seems to be like Dean's driving forces. He's an older brother. Yeah. And I don't think that Sam did this in a calculated way, No, but definitely approaching him as a younger sibling rather than, you know, trying to make himself be seen as an equal was much more successful. I thought it was interesting to... Like he approached this as asking from the little brother, but I think what Sam doesn't kind of get is that Dean's not being cavalier about everything for Sam. He's kind of doing it for himself. Like he can't cope with these ideas. Um, So like Sam's argument is really good. I just feel like, like he doesn't fully understand why Dean resorts to that or the turmoil he's going through himself. Yeah, no, totally. And I think he's like right on the edge of it. You know, because he does call him out and he's like, I know you're scared because I know you. So like, don't don't lie. But maybe he's just still like a hair's breadth away from fully comprehending what's going on with Dean. Are we ready to talk about fight scene number two? Mm -hmm. Fucking love this fight scene. It's so good. It was a lot of fun. It, it was just like a video game progression. It's like they fought, you know, Gordon, who has been a real big threat. And now we have like super Gordon. Right. And it's just. <laughs> this isn't even my final form. Right. That's exactly how it felt. <laughs> even despite the seriousness of this episode, there's something really charming about how campy this fight mm-hmm. scene is. Yeah. Like they get separated And then, like, Sam is feeling around in the dark with all these exaggerated arm movements. And, you know, he's really long and gangly, uh, so it looks even goofier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have Gordon's evil laugh in the background. Like, he's literally like, 
like throughout the whole thing. And they have the, it reminded me like immediately of fucking opening to Rocky Horror Picture Show. They like zoom in on Gordon's mouth when he's talking. And I don't know why, like whose choice that was, but I love it. And they even, they go so far as to have the, the monster vision the monster vision cam mm-hmm. um, where it's all red and stuff. And we haven't seen that in a while. When was the last time there was like a monster cam like that? I genuinely I don't know. Yeah. I can't think of it the last time. I want to say in season one though. It had been a real long time ago. Maybe actually did we get in the werewolf episode? Any monster? Cam? Yes. Yes. Oh, there yeah. was monster cam in the werewolf episode. Yes. You're right. In season two, episode 17. Yeah, and then on top of all of this, he's spouting off his bad guy manifesto. So it's like every level that can be injected with this monster flick camp vibe has got it. And I just I I just love it so much. It's so it's so fun. For the bad treatment of Gordon, I do think this was kind of a fun end. Yeah, it was a good send-off. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, he got sent off looking powerful, maniacal, and was good. Also, yeah. I like that he had a really important part in this, too, of being like, what the fuck's going on with Sam? Like, it right. leaves a question, so there's something lasting from his death as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. And it's also kind of funny, too, that Dean got taken out of the fight so early because we've had, like, this buildup of Sam this season. Yeah. Um, of not only of him trying to fight for himself in his stance with Dean, but also from demons, you know, saying that he's better than Dean and really starting to see a build of his character in terms of him being a hunter as well. Yeah, yeah so. as an individual. And mm-hmm. I think pushing further and further into this idea of Sam trying to be prepared for a time when Dean isn't there. And like showcasing the fact that he can and does hold his own without Dean, especially in this scene was important. Yeah. And I actually want to talk about the characterization of Sam. I think this is a really important trajectory because I will be honest with you. I just do not resonate as much with Sam at this point in the series. And that may change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because with Dean, I do have an idea of who Dean is. Like, he's charming, he's goofy, he's emotional, even if not out when he spoke. And we've gotten a lot of build of, like, his hopes, his fears. With Sam, it seems more the story has been about his place within the greater narrative, mostly within the special children. But we invested so much of the special children arc into Sam, but then we dropped the ball with the special children right? Yeah, that were left here at this point. And we still don't have like a true identity for Sam. At least that's how I feel. Right. So I think this is an important scene for him. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that's really insightful. Yeah. I think a lot of his character relies on his lack of control and the influence of outside forces on him, including Dean. And so it is hard to get a sense of him as an individual. I totally agree with that. So yeah, it's kind of just funny that while he's having these same issues with Dean and trying to be seen as an equal, like as an audience member, we're also kind of struggling with that. At least I am with Sam. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Especially this early on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I 
was really interested during this whole sequence of events, how Gordon just really leaned into being a monster. Mm-hmm. You know, Dean is like, you don't have to do this. Like, you're still a hunter. He's like, no, I'm a monster. And he's like, I'm going to kill myself once I kill you because I'm a monster. And he's like, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, my methods can be horrible because I'm supposed to be horrible now. I just find that so fun. You know, it's not often you get a monster that's just like, I wouldn't say he's into being a monster. He's obviously made very miserable by it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the sort of evil for the sake of evil that he's got going on is... I actually kind of saw this a little bit as a parallel to John. Oh. John was all about the ends. And I kind of see with Gordon, he's Mm -hmm. living that same cycle that John had lived. Yeah. And this is where it gets you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's interesting how this um, episode kind of wraps up a lot of those same themes from season one about revenge, both in terms of Dixon, the vampire who, you know, his need for revenge against Gordon ruined his life even more. And Gordon's life was completely destroyed in every way. Yeah, no. And and those aren't themes that we've really touched on in a while. So it's refreshing to see them pop up again and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when that was like a huge focus of the story. You kind of get the sense seeing it in this context when the boys have so many other things going on that like they really have grown quite a bit, like their concerns have evolved quite a bit. I wanted to go back to what you were saying about not being particularly fond of the arc because they start out with him being characterized as a monstrous person. I think there's something about the idea that he already contained that human monstrosity, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone saw that was the whole point of his first episode, you know, contrasting him with like the vegetarian vampires who were really just trying to exist. And he's like this crazy murder man. Um, (laughs) But like, you can still see the logic in a lot of his behavior. And I think making him descend even further and like showing you that there are even worse things to be mm-hmm. than a, a crazy <laughs> murder man yeah. with crazy murder man logic. Like you can descend even further than being a bad person, you know, just truly losing any sense of your identity or humanity at all. The more you push yourself down a path of revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was it was a well done arc. I absolutely think so. His arc is literally it's just hurt by the lack of black representation within the show. Yeah. Which is so yeah. sad. Yeah. Well, and then having like <laughs> four individual white women that mm-hmm. they they have him victimize. Yeah. Or attempt to in Bella's case, but Now I'm ready to talk about the final scene, which did make me cry Yes, when I watched it most recently. It was so good. Season three has been really into the melancholy ending. So it was nice to just get like a real feel good. I can almost guarantee this was a mid-season finale in its original run. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I don't personally think I would go so far as to say it was a feel good ending. Yes, correct. I definitely felt bad. (laughs) I felt bad, but like in a good way, there's a bittersweetness to it. 
It was very emotionally satisfying. There was real payoff to the emotional conflicts that have been going on for the past seven episodes or so. Well, now that we said that, I'm going to ruin this final scene with the brain. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) So after talking about the parallels that I saw between John and Gordon that kind of continued on, I was like, we're really going to continue on John's legacy because I know this was how Dean and John bonded. And so now we're continuing that cycle. And I was like, gross. I wish I would have started something new together. Yeah, I... I get that. I see it differently, though, because it's not the only thing that they can talk about. Yeah. First off. And it's more than trying to spend wholesome time together uh, with my brother. It's also, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was saying earlier, preparing him for the reality that he might not be there for very much longer. And it's also it's a concession that Sam is right and he's not already dead. Yeah, it just was nice to see, like, Dean also, like, we're finally starting to give a shit a little bit, too. Like, he's pulling himself out a little bit. Like, there's at least a little bit of hope there, if not for himself, but that Sam will be okay. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's something about the dialogue itself and the delivery of it that's just very um, sweet in its simplicity. It feels very genuine. And the two of them have really good chemistry mm-hmm. in this scene. Like it feels like a normal interaction. It doesn't feel like I'm an actor, you know, the way that sometimes very melodramatic scenes can feel. Yeah, I like how they kind of at least come to an understanding in this scene i feel like that's something we haven't had between them for a long time we've had like building tension between like what they think they should be doing so even if there's not a solution i feel like there's a lot more understanding i cried i cried it wasn't like big like gross crying it was like the silent pathetic crying (sighs) (laughs) i was like why am i crying i know what happens (laughs) (laughs) Are we ready to talk about the fanfic? I absolutely am. So the fic I chose for this week is called Long Journey Home. It's by AO3 user Sun Ripened. It's spelled just like it sounds, but there's an underscore between Sun and Ripened. The summary is an excerpt, which I will read. No one ever came to know dear old John Doe. The fact of the matter was the man who killed him didn't even know the body had been discovered. He had hightailed it out of Illinois days ago and hoped that snow or rain or falling leaves would cover the body for him and that come time for the summer months to roll in, the kudzu would overflow from the forest and envelop the man. He had bigger monsters to worry about anyway. Back in the motel room, the TV buzzed, the air conditioning whirred, the eternal glass plate in the microwave spun up into the sky, and Dean was full of secrets, both of himself and of his father. So this fic is rated T. It is primarily a sibling bonding story, which is why I chose it for this episode I did dig through some more vampire fix, but none of them really grabbed me the way that one like very spooky Dracula castle story did that I highlighted for season two. Or was that in season one? Good grief. I can't even remember now. 
there is some minor slash, so it's mostly the sibling stuff, but there is a Dean and original male characters on top of Sam and Dean. John Winchester is also in this story. Additional tags are coming out, bisexual Dean Winchester, smoking, John Winchester's A-plus parenting, sharing a bed, Americana, AU canon divergence, season series one, a concept from one of Kripke's first drafts, (laughs) angst, sibling bonding, platonic bed sharing, queer Sam Winchester. So this was published in June of 2021. It's about AK words, and it only has 572 hits. So please give this one a look-see. It's very good. I I have read this. This is from my bookmarks. There's something really fluid about the prose that I enjoy a lot. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I am a bi-Sam believer as well as a bi-Dean believer. And I just... I love them having a conversation about being stupid bisexuals during their childhood. I just think it's fun, <laughs> but it's not, fun. it's not a fun tone uh, fic. It's more of like a serious, it literally is tagged angst. Okay. So like, <laughs> well, nice. Yeah. That sounds very intriguing. So if anyone reads this, let us know. Yeah. Send me your review. How many out of five cigarettes would you give (laughs) this pre-series story? So are you all ready to rate the episode? Hell yeah. Absolutely. All right. This is definitely the best Gordon episode, in my opinion. I am going to give it a four. I was going to say just for racism, but I don't feel like that's a proper way to talk about racism in a sentence. So because of racism, obviously. <laughs> um, I'm, I giving just, I'm, I'm giving it a four out of five for racism. For racism. You really, yes. you really <laughs> were so racially insensitive. Four yes. out of five hard R's. <laughs> yes, hard R's. Oh, and I forgot about the misogyny. However, could I? that's right women are victims and only victims yeah right so i'm gonna give it a four out of five i am jesus crosses oh wow (laughs) (laughs) what about you ellie yeah i love that episode but you have to take into account like the reality of what it implies so yeah i would love to give this a perfect score but i it, it just takes so much away from what this could be that I'm going to give it four out of five vampire drops of blood in your drink. Mm. (laughs) A little mix. Hell yeah. yeah. What about you, Jasper? Yeah, this would be a five out of five for me if it weren't so fucking racist and misogynist. Like, man, I don't even think it'd be that hard to make it not racist and misogynist, frankly. Mm-hmm. It just is almost lazy yep. like to me, and that makes it even more annoying. So ultimately, I'm going to give it a four as well. Four out of five goth nightclubs. Oh, hell yeah. The little spider. The spider. Wow, I think this is the first time we've all rated something the same that's not been out of five yeah. out of five. Incredible but- of us. Well, I think that means it is time for me to predict. Sorry, I was also 
I was creating noises so I could think. <laughs> I know how that is. Yes. I'm going to buy time. I definitely like immediately thought of Yu-Gi-Oh though. <laughs> so I do not have a lot to work off of here. I know I say that a mm-hmm. lot, but this was definitely like the conclusion to a mini arc within a larger arc. Yeah. I will say we've not seen Ruby in a while. Mm-hmm. If I am correct, and this is a mid-season finale, we focused a lot on Bella these last few episodes. It's probably now time to move into Ruby. Mm-hmm. Uh, what monsters have we not had? We haven't had a horny swamp thing. <laughs> we haven't had witches. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. haven't had twitches. Maybe T and Tamara is going to show up. <laughs> we haven't had sandwiches. When's the last time they ate a sandwich? T loves the sandwiches. Yeah. So I think <laughs> we're going to have... <laughs> A demon. It's time. We're getting back to demons. Supernatural's going to its roots. Ruby's going to show up. There's going to be some demon on demon conflict. Some DXD. Demon on demon. Double D. The double D. Tia Tamara. Tia Tamara. Uh, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Ipsiplani, Michigan. Bye. Bye. Bye.